Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumble and Midcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nate Gearing, and this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite words. That's right, food and football. The third is obviously the Fighting Irish because Nate is here with me. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here on this Friday night. We're having a good time. But the topic du jour is Halloween. It's <laughs> Halloween. And we've got stuff to talk about. So before I kick it over to my partner in crime, reminder, the engagement stuff that you got to do, like subscribe, rate, review, engagement things that help more people find the podcast, share the show. If you're on Twitter right now and you're looking at it through Twitter, share it to your Twitter. Let's get out there. Let's touch people. Was it reach out and touch someone? Was that AT&T, Nate? I feel like it was AT&T. Was that it? Uh, wasn't that an 80s song? Reach out, touch me? Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I wasn't paying a lot of attention during the 80s. Yeah, I, was, I, 80s had my, I had my mind on other things during the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't alive, so... <laughs> oh no i'm so old i'm yes, so old <laughs> i'm so old was Nate, not alive you took a week off man did, let me ask you did you watch the show while you were gone i didn't i did, it would have been weird instance? it would have been weird no it would have been weird you don't even know what happened with me and perino no i i refuse to watch it's like one of those things it's like it's like um you know ever everyone's done this once in a while where you you know you leave home and you have your friend stay over your house to watch your wife you know, no, no one does that. No, no one, no one, one does, does that. <laughs> Literally, just you. Right? We're the only person who does that. First off, also, what, what, just side note: you got married, and we didn't talk about it. Secondly, you yeah, have right, a wife right. sitter. There's uh, such a thing as a wife sitter. And the worst thing you want to do is check in on the wife sitter. You, you just you what you just you don't know what you're gonna see. You just you just assume the hope for the best. It sounds like a bad lifetime movie. Getting ready to start <laughs> the wife sitter. Just a terrible lifetime movie. And we're already completely <laughs> off the rails. But the reason why I wanted to chat uh, with Nate specifically about Halloween well, is that my man, Nate Geary, has a Halloween take. He has maybe the strongest Halloween take. For those of you who have not had the opportunity to see that Nate has a strong Halloween take from following him on Twitter, first off, make sure you do that. At Nate Geary Sports on Twitter. So make sure you're following him on Twitter. But in addition to the fact that you are following him here, he has some, some things to say. You know, he had some things that he said on Twitter, and I'm going to let him say it again here in regards to his Halloween take. So, Nate, why don't you tell us all what you think about Halloween? 
Listen, I'm consistent. I've said this. I think I, I, I think I tweeted on the same day every year. Uh, it's just a reminder that it's a kid's holiday. And if you're a parent, this is a great holiday for you because your kids are happy. And that's a great thing. But then adults ruin everything. Like, you know, like adult men and adult women getting together and wearing just ridiculous things. And my girlfriend's in the other room. She's going to be mean to me about this later because this is just, I don't, I, I, I don't like Halloween. And I don't care about being the Grinch of Halloween because it's the dumbest holiday of all time. And I've told this story. I'll tell you why I don't like Halloween. My mom forcefully dressed me uh, in a homemade um Oh shoot! Uh, no, no, I, don't, I, I can't remember the man's name. It's not Noah's Ark. Uh, who, who's the, uh, who's the guy with the beard? Not, not Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, who, who, who parted the water? Moses. Moses. Uh, so yes, sorry. I, I don't know why I, you would the think the guy with something... the beard who's not Jesus. That's where. That's, that's all you gave me. <laughs> Literally, that's all I had. Nate over here testing my biblical knowledge. The spot 1129 goes Merlin. Just as good of a guess as anybody else's. Just as good of a guess as anybody else's. <laughs> just absolutely ridiculous. Anyways, so the re so you would think that Moses would be just scalded in the back of my mind from it being such a traumatizing experience, but it was a burlap bag. It was a rainy uh, Halloween night. The wig and the beard were both itching as you can imagine the burlap was itching um and it was i just i just remember crying most of the halloween and my mom would not she was very proud of it it wasn't even like proud son i want to make my mom feel good i won't take this off it was like you're ruining my life i need to take this costume off and she like wouldn't let me so that was actually the downfall to my, my mom's relationship as well so this podcast has really been able to come full circle from a uh uh, not, I feel like I'm at therapy right now, uh, telling people why uh, Halloween was so traumatizing for me and why I hate it so damn much. So thank you for ripping up the, the, uh, the scab, Bruce. I appreciate it. You know what? I'm here for you. We're here to expose the deepest depths of your heart, Nate, <laughs> and really get to the bottom of things. You know, historically, therapists will tell you, tell me about your relationship with your mother. And now I got the Halloween thing and I got the mom thing. So I got both so, of them together. So my you really pried that one out, buddy. Yes, I did. And my, my general view on Halloween is much like my general view on everything else in life, which is hashtag let people like things. So I have often <sighs> talked about potentially going in costume with my wife. And we will oftentimes have this conversation that, you know what, this is the year we're going to do it. Right? This is the year we're going to do something when it comes to the costume before we realize that we have nowhere to go wearing these costumes because we don't have friends who have Halloween parties. On top of that, we don't really want to go. So every year we say we're going to do it, and every year we don't. However, when I watch the Buffalo Bills costume parties, right, with Tredavious White and Micah Hyde and Josh Allen, all these people like that, I think to myself, you know what? It's fun. It's still fun. Nah. And, 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 and just for a day, just for a day, you get to pretend to be somebody else. Now, I, of course, don't have to worry about that. I'm constantly pretending to be somebody else. I pretend to be somebody else every Friday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. Thank you, Bruce, for bringing this up because I told you I was going to tell you this on air because I didn't tell you before we got on. Uh, so yesterday, uh, Sal Capaccio and I had our uh, raffle event uh, for our Real Men Wear Pink campaigns. And arguably, the topic of the hour, everyone that came up to me, Nate, thanks, thanks for doing this. You know, good to meet you. Uh, so you've, uh, it, you know what Bruce looks like, don't you? Like that was that I, I kid you not, Bruce, that was probably five to seven people in that range 
asked me, oh, yo, you know what Bruce looks like, right? And I and my answer every time was, Bruce is actually here right now. And people <laughs> like, no. I was like, Bruce is here. So I'm like, it's not a big deal. But he came all the way in from California. And, uh, and, uh, and I was like, he may or may not be. And I was like, you know, just being real deceptive. So people thought you were at uh, in Buffalo yesterday, or at least the ones that I talked to. But I kid you not, five, six times somebody came up to me. Hey man, love the new podcast you and Bruce are doing. Um, what's he look like? Tell tell us what he looks like. What you should have done is tell each one of them a different story, like the scar story from the Dark Knight, where every time he tells the story, it's different. And yes. as our guest, our guest tonight is Greg Thompson from Cover One. He has been trying to tell people for years now that I'm actually a handsome middle aged woman, and I just have an <laughs> unbelievable voice voice deceptive device, and no one seems to believe him. You should have said is, yeah, no, I know what I know what Bruce looks like. He's about five foot one, um, probably two, two fifty, two forty, right? Balding, right? Completely gray, huge uh birthmark, like gorgeous level birthmark on the top of his head. And then the next person, you go, yeah, yeah, he's super tall. Like he's like six eight, right? He's six eight, you're like you're a college basketball player. You ever see George Bush? <laughs> nothing like that. It looks nothing like that. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Think of the exact opposite of George Bush, and that's what Bruce looks like. No, you should have done it. Okay, so on the topic of Halloween, now that we've been through Halloween, I feel like this is a good transition. The Bills are not undefeated. They're four and two. They've lost the two teams. So I start to assume what these Bills are going to be. You say, okay, I think it's we're pretty safe to say the Bills are probably going to be a playoff team this year. I think we can pretty, pretty comfortably say that. It seems likely that they will be barring a complete collapse. But there's also teams that can beat the Bills, right? The Titans beat the Bills. They beat the Bills in 2020. There's been some discussion on whether or not the Titans are actually a bad matchup for the Buffalo Bills. So, Nate, let me ask you, look across the AFC. What teams do you not want to face? Not necessarily what teams scare you. I wanted to put that in there, but I knew full well. When I put in what teams scare you, people will come and go, no team scare us. Oh, we're the Buffalo Bills, baby. They would say some other word that I'm not about to say because we keep this PG, but we do. What teams scare you, Nate? What, who do you not want to face? Um, That's a good question. And I thought about this before I came on the podcast today. And um, I watched the game last night. And, you know, you could make an argument that, the only team you probably don't want to face in the in in the Super Bowl, if you're the Bills, is maybe the Cardinals. Um, I mean, they're a really scary team, but then they looked pretty darn pedestrian um, on Thursday Night Football. But if we're talking AFC, you know who who could really stand in the way of the Bills? Who who really actually scares me? It's not Tennessee. Um, I think the Bills probably beat Tennessee eight times out of ten that they play. Um, and I, I know maybe maybe that sounds crazy because of the last two times they've lost those games. Um, but I, I don't really think it's a bad matchup. Like um, like I've heard people say, and you just sort of mentioned, like maybe they're just a bad matchup. They're the league is uh, zigging, and they're sort of them and the, and the Browns are zagging, you know, and and are being a power run team in a game that um, tilts all of the rules. Um, and, and all of the athletes and all the best players and, you know, the best athletes in the sport are all playing on the offensive side of the ball now. So, um, and they're all in the passing game and you've got these unbelievable quarterbacks that can throw the ball everywhere. So, um, do I believe that the bills aren't built to stop Tennessee? I, th I think short of one run in that football game, 
Um, and dating, dating back to last year, I thought the Bills defense kind of has a pretty solid game plan for the Tennessee Titans. So I, I, and in, I don't think Ryan Tannehill, um, I think the game plan was a little flawed, uh, because especially in that second half, the play action was really working for, for Tannehill. He was really pulling up those linebackers. So I think for me, Bruce, the team that I kind of keep coming back to in this AFC, um, it, it's, it's it's the Chargers, and I know that they lost to the Ravens, and I know that the Ravens lost to the Bengals, so everyone's confused. Um, I think the AFC is a perfect example, and, and I know if you look in the NFC right now, there's a bunch of one-loss one teams. Um, all of the best records, all of the one-loss teams in the NFL are in the NFC. Um, so it goes to show you, like, in the NFC, there's there's it's pretty top-heavy. The AFC... Uh, you know, the Pittsburgh's a scrappy team. I mean, they're 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 not really to me a playoff team, but they're scrappy. Cleveland, not a playoff team, but very scrappy and difficult to beat. And they've got one of the best pass rushers in the game. Um, so I think for me, the Chargers end up being the scariest because I think they've got the best quarterback. Um, I know and I love what Joe Burrow's doing, um, but he's in the Northeast, and you know just as well as I do, um, when you get in just like watching a Bills game. You realize that when the weather conditions are at play, having a big, strong arm quarterback is going to matter, and that's just that's just not Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's a very good quarterback. He's very Drew Brees like, um, but he plays in the Northeast, and I think those conditions are going to are going to bring his game down a little bit to a more pedestrian level um, come December. I think for me and into the playoffs and. I love what Lamar has done as a passer this year. I think he's looked a lot better, but I think at the end of the day, there is still too many. He has a stinker every four games where it's bad, you know, 50% passing numbers, 120 yards and, you know, one touchdown, three interceptions, two interceptions, something like that. Like he has stinkers. And I think that's the one thing that Josh Allen has done a good job of is he hasn't had that real bad sticker. Maybe you can go back to the to week one um, of this year and, and week two a little bit. I know people were a little upset about his performance, but I think for me, Bruce, the team that I I also I also don't want to count. I, I wouldn't want to play Kansas City in the wild card round. Um, if the Bills got like the two seed and Kansas City scraped in on the last seed of the wild card, um, I, that's that's not a matchup I, I think I want to welcome twice. I I I think that they're I think the Bills are better. Um, but I, I assume at some point they're going to figure their, their stuff out as well. But yeah, I, I, to me, the chargers are the team and I know they're playing poor defensively, uh, but I expect that to, to, to maybe turn around. They've just got too many good players on that side of the ball. So it's, it's the chargers for me. I would like to add somebody that nobody talks about basically ever. And it's the Las Vegas Raiders. I think the Raiders have been playing inspired nah. football. I think That's that true. Derek Carr was 31 of 34 for 323 yeah. and two touchdowns. I think yeah. that it was low-key one of the best quarterback performances we've seen recently in the last couple of years, and nobody's talking. If Josh Allen was 31 of 34 for 323 and two touchdowns, we'd be busting out the MVP chance, which, quite frankly, we're already doing. But Derek Carr did it without Darren Waller, without his allegedly best time. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, one of the things that we talk about with Patrick Mahomes is, well, we haven't seen him without Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Okay, take away Travis Kelsey, and if he still lights you up, that's impressive. Yeah. The Raiders also yeah. love their interim head coach. There is a yes, very reasonable chance that he's the man there. This is a guy who was, it's, he, not, he came out of nowhere. He got head coaching consideration before he was the team's coach. 
And when you look at people who have historically been teams coaches, you look at player people like, like John Harbaugh. And you think, okay, maybe this is a scenario where he could actually end up being a good head coach. We're not talking about it, but if the Raiders get their defense to continue on their trajectory, that can be a pretty good team. And they're five and two right now. The Bills are four and two, and we're not talking anything about it. So for me, the Raiders are something that I'm not really not interested. I think the unfamiliarity is part of that. I'm not interested in facing them in the wild card round of the divisional round of the playoffs. I'd, I'd so welcome, who, I would welcome a matchup against Las Vegas. I'd welcome that. Do you remember how Derek, it went last year? Derek Carr is a fraud. That offense is fraudish. Um, their offense Wow. Whoa. Derek, wrong. Derek Carr is a fraud. Yeah. Give me that. Give, give me more on that. Derek Carr's a fraud. Do, should I use a different word? Is that what you're saying? Should I no, elaborate, it, uh, elaborate on that? A fraud. <laughs> what do you mean he's a fraud? He's not, I, a, good, he's not a good quarterback. I've, I just have not. I, I think the week one was a really good example. Their, their matchup against the Ravens, right? Derek Carr in that offense, they look like they might win four games in the first half. Like that, like Derek Carr's throwing balls in the dirt. Um, he looked skittish in the pocket, inaccurate. And then he goes on a terrorish like run in the second quarter, or I'm sorry, in the second half, and they win a football game against a, a good Baltimore Ravens team. And everyone's sort of scratching the head, like, how the hell did the Ravens lose to the to the uh, to the Raiders? Like, what's going on here? Um, I think that they are a little flash in the pan. Like, I, I don't think that they're a model that is going to be at the end of the year, they're winning 12 football games. I just I I do not buy it. I buy more likely them being like nine and eight. Than I do them being like a like a like a twelve and five team or a thirteen and four team. I just, by the way, I don't know if you could see me struggling with the math there, but I'm still not used to the yeah, yeah, to, the, to the record changes. It's just I've I've just been conditioned my entire life. Thirteen and three, twelve and four, it's terrible. But yes, I don't okay. like Derek Carr. Somebody somebody mentioned in the uh, in the mentions here that Derek Carr is a touch better a touch better version than um, than Baker. And I think that's probably spot on. Wow. Like a touch better, a touch better. Wow. Okay. All right. So I'm the only, I'm the only Derek Carr believer in the group. I think apparently. so. I think so. We I'm can ask our guest, he's, Greg I'm Thompson. I'm not saying he's godly, but goodness gracious, he was a top 10 quarterback last year too. And now he doesn't have Gruden. I think that's, I think that's addition by subtraction for them. Yeah, I really probably. do. Yeah. I mean, probably Gruden's not very good, but I, I don't know. I guess. I, I think I, I that probably says it best how I kind of feel about him. And listen, I think Baker and Carr are sitting sort of on the threshold of above replacement level. And, you know, you can start them and they're a, they're a top 15, top 16 starting quarterback in the league. And I think that's, I, I, I guess I was maybe a little harsh on Derek Carr. Maybe he's, he's a fraud of a top five quarterback. I don't believe he's a top five or a top 10 or a top 12 quarterback. He's probably right there, 16. 17 for me oh 16 17 okay all right well but that's, we'll that's sure baker we... territory okay all right all right so the bills are coming off by nate the yes. bills are coming off their by how is this team going to look different than they did when they went in what changed aside from the fact the obvious dawson Knox not here yeah how is this team going to look different coming out of the bye in your opinion I think they'll likely play the next three weeks understanding um, who their competition is. I think there's going to be a level of let's see Dane Jackson. Let's see 
um, you know, uh, name, name, let's see Cody Ford. Let's see Mitchell Trubisky. Hey, we signed Matt Brito. Let's get him active and let's see him play. Like these are the next three games that you want to preserve your health. You want Jordan Poyer. You want Micah Hyde. You want Tredavious White. You want Josh Allen. You want Mitch Morse, who's got a concussion history. You want Deion Dawkins, who's still coming back from COVID. You want to give these guys opportunities to not have to play 100% snaps in the game. So if you can get ahead early in these football games, I think you're going to see some vanilla offenses in the second half. I think that'll be the biggest difference is that they're going to be a team that understands over the next couple of weeks who the opponent is. And I think how important self-preservation is going to be throughout the rest of the season. This is a team that recognizes, Bruce, that injuries really held back their offense towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. Cole Beasley having that fracture in his leg, um, you, you, having uh, Stefan Diggs have that, that core injury that he had or the oblique, whatever that the, 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 the torn muscle that he had, like that those loomed large in the playoffs. And I think the bills understand that in order for them to win in January and get into February, that they're going to likely need to be healthy and, and get there doing guys like Emmanuel Sanders, you know, they don't want out there. I don't think 80, 85% of the plays, in games against the Jets, you know? So I think there's going to be a little bit more of an understanding of self-preservation. This is, we know that after this, we'll have a seven wins. They will have seven wins after the next three weeks. And I think that puts them in a, in a really good spot. Right on time at 920, we are going to bring in our guest for the evening. He is the host of the Cover One Buffalo podcast on the Cover One Network. He is also a co-host of the Cover One Fantasy Show. And he's here with us now, fully quaffed and ready to talk Definitely about steaks and other foods for thought. Mr. Greg Thompson, how you doing, dude? Not too bad. Not too bad. I appreciate you guys having me on. Excited for, uh, I've enjoyed this new venture between two uh, lovely gentlemen that I appreciate. And I'm uh, excited to have my debut appearance. I, I went and got a fresh haircut for you guys. Made sure I look nice. Uh, I appreciate that. So I, I'm going to lead right off. That. I'm going to leave right off because I want to touch base on Grills Mafia. I want to talk <laughs> about steak. And I want to say this, okay? On a scale from perfect medium rare to well done, how satisfied are you so far with the Buffalo Bills season? Um, I would say this is like if I'm out on a work trip and there's not a lot of restaurants around and I end up having to go to like a like a Longhorn, Longhorn. or a, I knew or you were going to say Longhorn, yep. you know, or Outback Steak, like a, a franchise chain place. And I'm not really thinking, and I go in and I order medium rare, and I'm like, okay, you know, it's fine. And I'm talking to somebody from work, and they bring it out, and because of their like corporate health standards, they actually bring me a medium steak, mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, like it's yeah. it's good. Like I'm still gonna eat it. I'm still gonna. It's not what I was kind of hoping for, but it's still good. Um, you know, if you ask me before the season what I would think if the bills were four and two going into the bye, I'd say, okay, that probably makes sense. Did we, you know, we probably dropped the two road games and you know it. So then you flip that around and say, Oh no, we actually went into Kansas city and, you know, smoke the chiefs pretty good. If it go, well then this has to be great. Um, so it's weird that how impactful the order of wins and losses are and that just seeing, you know, to Tennessee, you know, weird fluky game. So many things kind of went wrong and we still had the ball at the two yard line going in with 13 seconds left. Uh, it's not that bad, but it still leaves a taste in your mouth that it isn't quite what you hope for, but it's still 
pretty good, satisfied, hungry for more. So I have a follow-up question for both of you. Um, since we're on the topic of Girls Mafia and Steak, Oscar style, what is your immediate reaction to Oscar style? So I, I've enjoyed it a couple times. I'm, I do like some toppings. I'm not a huge seafood person in general. Like I enjoy it. I'm not like against sure. seafood. I enjoy well done, you know, uh, fish and, and crab and, and, and lobster and, and different things like that. It's, I, I don't like mixing a lot of things. <laughs> I, okay. I like, I like steak and I, I like it like that. And I, you know, other things I've had it delightfully prepared. Sure. Um, and a really, really good meal. It's not something I would go out of my way to order. So uh, for our listener, Daniel, uh, Oscar style is a hollandaise sauce that has usually like lump crab um, and it's like they top the steak with the lump crab and the hollandaise sauce. And it's like a, you know, really bougie topping for steaks. Yes, very, very rich. And for me, I am a very old school compound butter, herbs Mm. and butter on top melting over. That's all I want on my steak. Bruce? Um, okay, so I'm not a huge tarragon guy. And a lot of times, Bernays sauce and hollandaise, a lot of times has tarragon in it. I'm not a huge tarragon guy. It's one of the one of the more floral type of herbs that I'm not really into that much. I'm not a thyme guy either. I don't love, I don't love thyme. Bay leaves can pretty much go the, the way of the the way of the ducks I for like me. Time. I like time. Not not a thyme guy. I, it's just it's too much. It's too strong. It's it's too it it, it feels like a little bit is too much of time. And so for me, I'd rather just have none of it, to be honest. And so Bruce, Tarragon is a little bit of, like that. How many episodes of Food for Thought have we done? Is it, are we in double digits now? I, I, I don't know, maybe 10. I think eight, we're in nine, double folks. digits. And it took double digit episodes for Tarragon to get dropped on the show. And frankly, I think that's a little disservice to our listeners. That it didn't come <laughs> I'm sorry. Up I have failed you and I will do better. <laughs> I, 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 make, I make the absolute, absolute promise to my listeners right now that I will we will now have a herb segment every week yes, yes, based on our yes. favorite herbs. We will go find a man named Herb and have herb yeah. on herb. Herbs on herb. Herb on herb. Yeah, her- herbs, herbs, herbs. Yes, herbs, herbs. <laughs> Mr. Tom said, so while we are, while we're discussing steak and while we're discussing the Buffalo Bills, we're still on steak. I want to, I want to get you in on some of the conversations that we've had previously leading up to this. Specifically, I want to talk about the bye week. Let's talk about the offensive line real fast. Because one of the things we talked about that was going to be different coming out of the bye as sort of an obvious one was Dawson Knox is not going to be here. Now, we know what that's going to look like without Dawson Knox. It's going to look like Tommy Sweeney. That's what we know. However, what we don't know is what it's going to look like without your starting right tackle. And there's been some discussion as to whether or not Darrell Williams goes back to right tackle. Cody Ford comes in. There's been some other discussion about whether or not it's Darrell Williams to right tackle and Ike Butker. And Cody Ford is all the way down. So first off, I want you to give me two answers here. Number one, predictively, what offensive line combination do you think we're going to have? Number two, gun to your head, what offensive line combination would you pick coming out of the bye week knowing you have to go into there without Spencer Brown? Predictively, the last time we saw a player come in at the interior line, it was Ike Bakker. And I believe, my guess, is that it is going to be Darrell Williams back at right tackle. 
and then Eichbacher entering, and I, I'm going to guess they're not going to do three moving pieces, and it will be Bacher in at right guard. Um, I won't be shocked if it's Ford. I think that's a 60-40 guess. I'm guessing that it's Bacher. Totally would make sense if it's Ford. I'm going to leave a little bit of sliver in that. I don't know if this is what I would do, what I'd like to see, how, where you would frame this. There's a piece of me that's, you know, hey, is this a opportunity to see what we have in Tommy Doyle to get a game a rep, a game of reps from him you know Tommy Sweeney's already playing they're probably already scheming to keep him in more than send him out in routes already like you know just to to be able to play it safe tack him on next to Tommy Doyle let the two of them try to handle Emmanuel Ogba um you know I I think it's safer to put Darrell Williams out there, nothing should supersede the value of keeping Josh Allen upright and healthy. He's already saved their bacon multiple times. We, you know, you guys, I'm sure, have looked at it. Aaron and I talked about it. That you know, Josh is light years ahead of everyone in lowest amount of sack rate when pressured, like to an insane degree. So he's making the offensive line look much better than what they really are. Um, I don't know that I want to keep just rolling those dice and hoping that nobody catches Josh and and makes us pay for that. But you know, ultimately, it, you know, it's. I'm very happy we have Sean McDermott because this stretch would be very easy for a lot of teams to overlook and to take for granted. And he's never going to let them do that. That makes me happy. I'm a fan. I don't have to do that. I can do like what Nate <laughs> said before I came on. We're going to be three and zero in this next stretch. It's we're going to be. Um, I don't know that that means we can just experiment and play around but i don't know that there's a huge difference in i'd like to keep daryl williams gelling next to mitch morse let him continue to get reps at guard and tommy doyle in or ryan bates i guess is that different than making daryl williams switch in season again knowing it's only for a game or two to switch back to get ike Bakker or cody ford on the field is that really a material upgrade that we have to make sure we do. You know, I, I don't, I don't know that there's a huge difference. Good material. How about, so I took a drink. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, I, I, I want to ask you a follow-up question to the Cody Ford conversation. Um, because I think that, you know, we, we heard Sean McDermott this week talk up and, and I mean, what did you expect Sean McDermott to do up at the podium? Say, yeah, no, he's not very good. And we know he's not very good. Like you're going to get the, <laughs> the coach speak on this one. And, and I think that's totally fair. And that, that McDermott's kind of known for that. And I think I don't want to read anything into what he said about Cody Ford. Yep. I want to read into in a pinch with an injury situation. Is he the first offensive lineman off the field or, you know, off the bench and onto the field. And if he's not Greg, what does that mean for Cody Ford? If he's not playing on Sunday, I think that might be one of the biggest storylines for me. If he's not on the field starting in the lineup on Sunday without Spencer Brown, I think that's pretty much spelled the end for me then for, for Cody Ford. If you're not using him in this situation, I don't know when you'd, you're using him in emergency situations. That's it. I, I hate to be so reductive. I, yeah. I, <laughs> and yeah, um, I'm... I'm a big believer in not falling prey to sunk cost fallacy, not falling prey to wish casting and saying, hey, this is, you know, I'm predicting what I actually kind of hope would happen, not what I actually think is going to happen. I, I've already written off Cody Ford. I, I have no expectations yeah. whatsoever 
for Cody Ford as a Buffalo Bill moving forward, other than I've had other people that then take that one step further and be like, well, screw it, then cut him. He's trash. Like, no, he's a cheap rookie contract guy with like 20-some games starting experience. That has value. I'll keep that on the roster the rest of this year and then next year and let him go Reassess. in a very way. Yeah. But I am I have no expectations for Cody Ford any longer. I do not expect any mm. net positive impact from him at any point. And it, like I said, the last time we saw them have to make that choice, Ike Bakker's the guy that came off the bench, and that told me that he's actually offensive lineman seven. And and that's not even and counting in a tackle. I was going to say, and not only that, but is Ryan Bates ahead of him? And I yeah, think Ryan it, Bates is ahead of him. So I, you know... I, that you know, people then ask, okay, well, can we trade him? And you know, all those kind of things right. come up. I don't know if we'll talk about trade fun here in a moment. I, I certainly threw him out there as maybe a guy like Urban Meyer thinks he still has value. I'll put him in a package for Andrew Norwell if that dresses things up for you. Um, but yeah. other than that, I, I'm not expecting there to be some great return. He's also there's no benefit in cutting him. He is better yep. than you know. Heck, we just saw. He who shall not be named got claimed off our practice squad by the Titans. I didn't see that, you know. So obviously, it. I, I love it the gets George worse. Carlin. Yeah, it well, gets worse. I always love the George Carlin line of, "What do you mean it can't get worse? It can always, always get worse. Can of always course, it worse. can get worse." Yeah. So you know, n- never <laughs> careful what you wish for. It can get worse, but yeah, I just I don't expect anything any longer. Now I want to ask you a little bit about that, and specifically Cody Ford. I want to kind of go into this, given the Cody Ford bouncing back and forth right tackle guard left guard right guard okay he settled oh wait now he's not good when you have <laughs> things like this happen when you have the Wyatt Teller trade and you have the Quentin Spain cut who is now performing well in Cincinnati do the Bills have a problem evaluating guards is three enough it, sample size it's a good question I think <laughs> it's a fair question um I think that the couple examples are probably more sample size than anything. I would I would argue Quentin Spain has not played better than John Feliciano, Ike Bakker, or Cody Ford. He's played at that level. He's a better pass blocker. He's a worse run blocker. You know, go ask Joe Burrow's knee. You know, that kind of thing. And, um, and by the way, I, I saw a tweet about how he was sort of like their unsung hero so far on the offensive line. And I'm like, you guys have watched literally the worst offensive lines over the last five years in the league. So <laughs> respectfully, I get where it comes from. He's, 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 he's replacement level. He's replacement yeah, level. He's, 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 fi- and, and I, I want to like tweak Bruce's question for you. So Bruce asks, you know, like, does, does this team struggle to evaluate uh, guards? And what I say that they're right. They're really, it's a position that I don't believe a lot of elite level players are currently playing at across the league. Quentin Nelson name me like, really really high level q level there's one i mean quentin nelson's one guy and there's a drop off after that like there's just it's not like guards it's not like teams are throwing out two guards that are all pro level they're like oh we've got this young guy in a rookie contract that's really good that could start for anybody on our roster nobody has multiple guards people would go to is really mad at you okay well well no but Zach Martin, Brandon Brooks, Brandon Brooks, you would go to those, but there's health is a huge question yes. there. When healthy, Brandon Brooks, Zach Martin, they are elite level players that haven't been able to stay on the field um, for, for a bit here. But there are other names that guard is always one that people just are not 
normally aware of, educated on. There were enough the weird grunting highlight thing that Quentin Nelson had. Like yep. he he gets a lot of attention, so people default to that. He hasn't had his best season to nope. this point, you know. So it's it, people just default to that because oh, when I'm supposed to say a good guard, I'm supposed to say him, and it, it doesn't mean that's wrong. He is great, but he hasn't even had his standard of a season to this point. And to circle back on, on Bruce's question, I think that there's enough examples to question the Bills' ability to evaluate interior offensive line. I also think there's only so many examples in that it, it can just kind of be a sample size oddity. I don't think it's an I don't think it's an accident that all of a sudden what I perceive as the biggest shortcoming of Cody Ford was a pivot that we drafted the two highest RAS score offensive linemen in the draft this year. Because if you're going to miss or you're going to swing... Miss on the tools. Swing on high mm-hmm. athletic upside. Bet on trades. Um, and Bet on trades. I, I don't think it's an accident that we saw that pivot this year. And that that's also why some people in the chat rightfully mentioned, you know, it's a shame he was really good at, at Oklahoma. The reason I don't have much hope is that what is there to bet on? What is the skill or trait that I'm betting on to say, oh, no, I always saw this. He's going to be able to get that back. His feet are so slow. His feet yeah. were slow when I watched length. Oklahoma. That's it. Just length. His, yes. Yeah, his feet were slow when and he got to listen, the NFL, and they're so when slow. He, when, he can, when he can get mobile and he can get downhill as a run blocker, he can, still he can road grade. He can road grade for sure. And, and I think if you're in a goal line situation and you have Cody Ford up front, you feel like at least – you're not getting blown off the ball. But that's really where it stops with him. And I always saw it at guard with him. And I've been just disappointed. I've just been disappointed basically everywhere they've put him. And I think the big reason why he is maybe unfairly at times been moved around so much is because every time they move him, they need to move him again because it's just not a position that works for him. So, yeah, tackle was never going to be it, Greg. Um, I'm glad that they sort of bailed on that plan early and had a plan B with with Daryl Williams. And obviously Daryl Williams worked out really well. And, Listen, if Daryl Williams can just continue to get incrementally better each week at the guard position, I, I as long as he's not on the left side, Greg, I think you're okay with where you have a Daryl Williams at guard. He's your best guard. Yes. Yeah. yeah sadly. I, and what, whatever that means, I don't know, but he is the best guard on the team. Yeah. And I think the way you described it's accurate is he, he did not look great in the first game. It was his first game. He had a third-round rookie playing his first game ever and his first his game right. yes. of any football in yes. two and a half years to his right. That made sense. The last two weeks have been pretty reassuring, in my opinion, yeah. um, in that it goes from a guy that we probably had an exceptional value at right tackle to now, yeah, it's fine to pay him what we're paying him at guard, but we're paying him, and he's there, and he's playing better than the other guys. So it's now, I'm happy that it's Feliciano versus Ford versus Botger for one spot rather than two spots. I'll take it. So we got a comment. I have to make sure that I point this out. This is literally the three most knowledgeable people on the planet that you can get to talk about both the bills and food. RJ Melville. RJ, your check is in the mail. Um, The return address will be blanked out, just so you're familiar. Uh, And the check will be listed uh, under a pseudonym. So just get ready for that. I hope good luck cashing it, just so you know. Uh, Andy Anderson says, "You got to take it to the very to the really big check department at the uh, the really no, no, big no, no. check. No, no, no. You got to take it to the big bank, like the, the big, big bank, bank downtown. They can the, the, the big checks. Yes. Yes. yes, yeah. You have to get a, uh, a pickup truck just to communicate, just just, just just to transport your check. Andy Anderson says, Tyler Linderbaum season. You're going to be hearing a lot about mm. Tyler Linderbaum this entire this entire 
off season, you're going to be hearing a lot of give about him it. the Eric Woods treatment. Let him play guard for a little bit, Absolutely. and then when it's time for Mitch Morris to move on, let him slide right over to center. Oh, sign me up for that today. Thirty second pick. It's going to be great. Trey Ellis says Bruce knows food. That's right, Trey. You know what's up. Everyone's trying to get their piece. So while we're on the topic of interior offensive line, and while we're on the topics of the trade deadline, you know, in Halloween it can be scary for a lot of teams. So let me let me ask you these two questions. Number one, we're going to take this with a trick or treat. Okay. So what trade to an AFC team would you consider to be a trick? Oh, no, I'm scared of this. And then what trade to the Bills would you consider to be a treat? So I'll give you a great example. Uh, The Ravens are commonly linked to Marlon Mack, right? I don't Mm. think that Marlon Mack going to the Ravens is anything that scares me. I think he's becomes their best running back, but that bar is really, really low considering they basically have the, you know, the AARP in their back. The skeletal remains of Devonta Freeman. They call it the AARB at this point. AARB. So that yes, that's right. I waited this entire yeah, I this know entire did. episode I know just did. for the AARB joke. So I know he did. The Baltimore that's written Ravens down. I want everybody to know that is written down on a notepad somewhere on, on Bruce's desk right now. It 100% is on a sticky note in the top corner of my my computer. Going, on the don't screen. Forget, yeah. Don't forget to make an AARB joke. So what trade i would not consider that a trick right i wouldn't be scared of that okay it's reasonable but that's fine but what trade to an afc team would you be like oh crap i'm not i'm not a fan that's a trick and then what trade to the buffalo bills would you consider to be a treat so i'll go first to let you to buy you some time so what you talked about andrew norwell left guard i think i think it markedly changes this offensive line uh, I was not in on re-signing John Feliciano. Anyone who's listened to Bruce Exclusive knows that in the offseason. One of the foundational tenets of Bruce, the book of Bruce, is don't re-sign meh players because you can always get meh players at a better value in the draft than what you're going to get pay for a meh unrestricted free agent. Now, Feliciano's contract did not end up being as bad as the spot track projection thought it was going to be or that it was even initially reported to be so it's much more reasonable for john feliciano to be the sixth man off the you know off the bench you know way more reasonable you can keep john feliciano you don't have to cut him this offseason he could be your backup swing interior defense uh, offensive line what he should be totally a thing right and given the fact that he can play center it's not it's not a bad role for him quite frankly but john feliciano to andrew norwell is a fairly significant upgrade i still think when healthy andrew norwell is a top 15 guard in this league I do. I believe that. I think he's he hasn't he struggled with injuries, but I think that that is an immediate upgrade for the Buffalo Bills offensive line. So I think that's that's a something that counts as a treat for me. I know this is going to sound weird, but Brandon Cooks is a treat for me because you have to start preparing for the idea that Emmanuel Sanders is not necessarily going to be here next year. And 34. I was I was all in on drafting a wide receiver in the first round this upcoming this this previous draft because you've got. Cole Beasley getting old, coming off a broken leg, coming in this year. You have Emmanuel Sanders, 34, on a one-year deal. And I think Gabriel Davis is somebody I really want to just throw into the wide receiver two role, given the fact that they have an archetype for that role that doesn't fit Gabriel Davis. So I'm completely on board with Brandon Cooks. I'm completely on board with Norwell. As far as trick goes, I have no interest in seeing Brandon Cooks go to the Chiefs. Zero interest. I think he unlocks that. I think he gives you what you wanted Nicole Hardman to be. I think the thing that you thought or were hoping Nicole Hardman would evolve into is what Brandon Cooks actually is. 
I'd like to clarify, I, have, I was not hoping for that. I have zero interest, <laughs> zero just, interest. Just so you know. In Miko Harbin getting bumped off the starting depth chart in favor of Brandon Cook. So that's my trick or treat. So I hope I've stalled. It's a little bit like when the waitress comes, since we're going to loop this all back around to food. When the waitress comes and my wife looks at me and says, hey, do you know what you want? I said, you know what? I don't want to wait for her to come back around again. So here's you what we're going to do. You go first and talk slowly. And by the time you're done, I will know what I want to eat. And inevitably, my wife will sit up there and go, okay, I'm going to have the buffalo chicken wrap. And then that's it. And, and she'll then she me, stops like, talking immediately. That was not enough stalling. <laughs> Ask the waitress how she's doing. Ask the waiter soup. how he's doing. Have I'll have waiter, soup. Yes. Have the waiter bring us an extra water. Well, I don't need it. I don't care. Bring another water or something. Just to <laughs> Can buy you me read me time. the specials again, please? Read me the specials. What's the soup of the day? It's the soup du jour. Mm, that sounds delicious. I'll have that. So, Greg, I hope I stalled. Yeah. Trick or treat. What's going on? Okay. Um, so, a trick for me, some of the teams that I think are contenders, I, was, I, I enjoyed listening to your guys' uh, discussion earlier on kind of rankings in the AFC. Obviously, every right now, everybody has a flaw, and part of the reason I think the Bills are, are up towards the top, or number one, is they have the fewest flaws or the least bad flaw. I would be upset to see someone like a Kyle Fuller go to Tennessee and shore up... Um, you know, a huge uh, gap huge. for them, a reason that I'm confident the huge. Bills would beat them again. I'm spot on with yeah. Nate in the 8 out of 10 range. I think the Bills beat them 4 out of 5 times, and um, I would not be happy to see them shore up uh, a big gap in their defense. So something like that would be one where I'd go, oh, I don't really love that. Um, same idea, a name that I think I saw Andy throw around in the um, there, Malik Collins. I wouldn't be happy to see Malik Collins go to one of those contending teams, the Chiefs, the the Titans, someone with a, a lackluster defense that could really help spring that forward. Heck, even going back to the Raiders where he played well the previous year. Um, I'm right with you. I'm not going to mimic your Andrew Norwell that he is my number one target. You know, rebuilding team, 30-year-old guy, kind of expensive. Um, I do think... If you're invested in a player like Trevor Lawrence, you keep good linemen, and he's their best lineman. Um, so I, I I don't know that I expect them to move him, but he was a UDFA who was signed by Brandon Bean and their staff. He was on the team for all four years with McDermott and Bean there in Carolina before he signed his big deal in Jacksonville. And I agree with you. He's very, very good. I think he's better than top 15 when healthy. I'll throw out a couple other names. Um, Will Hernandez is in the final year of his rookie contract in New York, is playing pretty well. It all depends if New York basically is saying, hey, we don't expect to re-sign him, so we'll take a one-year advance on the you know comp pick formula. You give us the fourth or fifth round pick now instead of waiting until 2023 that they would get it for next year's loss of free agent signing. And a name that is going to sound weird. People will freak out when I say it. I know Eric Flowers was a horrible tackle. He's actually playing really guy. well at guard in Washington. Um, he's finally got some good coaching. He's actually playing really well and is probably kind of cheap to get. Um, he, he's given up like four pressures all season. <laughs> um, he's playing really well at guard. And some of that athleticism, the reason he was a first-round pick, is now kind of translating a little bit. Um, he's a guy that, you know, probably Hernandez and uh, Flowers would be cheaper 
to acquire than a Norwell. So they're guys that I would be interested in. You'd take on like a million and a half, a million dollars to get either of them for the rest of the season. They're both on expiring deals. No love loss there. Matter of fact, it even gives you the option of either bringing them back or letting them walk and recouping whatever draft pick you trade, you get back in a comp pick formula when they walk. Those are the, they're not fun, sexy names. Brandon Cooks is a way sexier name. Sure. Trading for a running back is a way sexier name. Trading for a starting cornerback too is a way sexier thing. Um, I'd love to see a, another guard thrown in the mix. Okay. So Andy Anderson says, both, by the way, I'm Norwell. Yeah. Norwell's okay. Guy, but. Andy I stopped Anderson. reading after trade Vernon Butler and just nodded. Yeah. That's something. Yes. Great. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> if Andy if Andy Anderson is correct and you can get Vernon Butler in a seventh from oh. the league counts, uh, do we build the statue outside the stadium or do we wait and until the new stadium is built and then build it there? Because if you get anything, I was on with Joe Marino and someone and he asked me, Who do you want to see less of this year? I said Vernon Butler. He said Bruce is inactive. I said, I know. <laughs> I'd like to see less. I, I would like less see than see even less. I saw him once on the sideline. It was too much. It was too, too much. much. If the camera pans, irrationally angry when the camera pans He was in a hoodie and Bruce Butler. was pissed. It's true. <laughs> it's a hoodie hey, we, we've seen trades for Marshall Newhouse. We've seen trades for Lee yeah. Smith. We've yeah. seen some some you know shenanigans and tomfooler. Heck, the Panthers gave us something for Daryl Johnson. He's played like five Russell snaps Bodine. twice. Russell Bodine didn't even make a roster. Out has he played any football since he was traded? No, his he last actual action yeah, was retired. being traded. Um, right. So yeah, hey, if he can get anything for Vernon Butler, God bless. Two him. names I didn't hear, and uh, Bruce, I think you mentioned um, Cooks to Kansas City. I did. Alan Robinson to Kansas City would be even oh, more no. scary. No, no. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Like, that no, would no, be... That don't would put be that juju on Ontario. me. I, yeah. I just had an icky feeling in my nether region. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, that. that's... And that's one, I, I think, if you're the Bears, are you really going to... Are you going to franchise tag him again? It's very clear he's not resigning there. Let the man go play out the last two years of his prime. Because, dude, he is 29 years old. He has wasted his best years of football in Chicago playing for name the quarterbacks. Mm. So I, I think that would be a really scary proposition S- to me. Send him. Oh, he, he can't go to Green Bay. He needs to go to Green Bay. Green Bay would be the – the Bears are obviously not trading anyone no. to, to the Packers. No. Yeah. I, I just – with with Allen Robinson, the thing that would scare me is the idea of them having a complete wide receiver. Like, not just a guy that has – that's another one-trick pony. Like, a guy that can literally go out there and basically be your 1A receiver. Like, that would scare the – And the guy that, for me, for the the treat, for the Bills, Akeem Hicks, I kind of keep going – another Chicago Bear, I know. Um, Mm. But he's the kind of guy that I think this defense could use. And and just another true one-tech so that you can – when you're rotating star out of the lineup, you're not dropping – you know, a notable run defender. And you're not putting Harrison Phillips, who has struggled um, to really make the impact. And nothing against Justin Zimmer. He just is not that that force in the middle that can demand a double team and blow crap up from the middle. So, like, that to me, that uh, Akeem Hicks is kind of like my primary outside of Norwell. He's four inches shorter and 40 pounds lighter than Akeem Hicks. Yeah, it's notable. Trey Ellis in the comments says, Michael Thomas, go to the Patriots. I don't think they're going to trade Michael Thomas. I think they want him back at the end of this year for a playoff push, and I think they want him to help evaluate Jameis Winston. Yeah. So I, I also, would be shocked. You you could trade Aaron Donald to the Patriots. I wouldn't care. Wow. They aren't any okay. good. Okay. 
Wow, that's a strong. You can trade the best player in football to the Patriots, and Greg wouldn't even bat an eye. Wouldn't even flinch. It's, doesn't, doesn't it's even putting a Rolls Royce uh, hood ornament on a bowl, on a yeah, Civic. Whoa, 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 wow. whoa, 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 Wait, whoa, whoa. You, you say close I've had a Bruce, lot of Civics over the course of my life. Uh, I love Bruce my owns Civics. A Civic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's Patriots aren't any good. It's like uh, I don't know what to tell you, Bruce. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bruce like, I don't know what to tell uh, you. Yeah. Yeah, I all, make no apologies. The, the the Patriots have wins twice against the Jets, once against Houston, and then have got smoked by the rest of the NFL, including mm-hmm. Miami's only win this year. You could give them the best player in football; they're still trash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love. All that. right. Well, first off, thank you so much for being yes, here. Thank Greg. you. I really great. appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time out of your Friday night. Um, it's always interesting, you know, when we get guests on this show. I always feel like I have to be effusive in my apologies for them taking the time out of their Friday night to spend it with us. Because inevitably, let's be honest, there's nowhere better to be than hanging out with Nate and I, right? We know this. It's a fact. But then yeah. other people have these these nagging things called like families and responsibilities. <laughs> Toddlers. And like, yeah, weekends, meals, all this stuff really is superfluous to Food for Thought. Their youth. But, yeah, their youth, right? Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all the good things but thank you so much for being here man i really i really appreciate that no obviously love both of you guys uh fantastic to be able to to make my debut appearance uh here with you guys and looking forward to enjoying uh, much more content in the future before you get out of here tell everybody where they can find you tell yeah. everyone what you're going on because i mentioned you were you mentioned you what you did but talk about when you do it so they can make sure that they're there where they can find you on social what you got coming down the pike pitch us so uh, you can find me at Greg Thompson on all social media platforms, including I now apparently have a TikTok account, yeah, which what's I'm up not one hundred percent sure on. Um, uh, it's it was you know it's it's been interesting. You you um, let you let the resident cover one dad convince you that it was cool, and I'm going to tell you what that's the first mistake every man has ever made is letting Aaron Quinn convince him something <laughs> is cool. Uh, I no no lies detected. No. Um, so you can find me every Wednesday night at nine o'clock doing our cover one preview show talking about the upcoming matchups and then live immediately following every game even the late night games that we start uh immediately afterwards but we will be there for you uh also messing around doing some fantasy stuff having a hanging out having a good time and usually just you know mingling uh, amongst the folks on twitter uh answering back any questions anybody has but you can find me there at greg thompson having a good time greg thank you much appreciate Thanks, Gregory. It, all right later guys all right love greg thompson always a good time Always time. Greg and I go way back. Funny story. You know, Greg and I didn't actually get off to the greatest start on social media, but we've come a long way since then. That was years ago. That was gosh, just of a verbal a half, spat. Yeah. Three and a half years ago, uh, there was a misunderstanding about DK Metcalf. It just went completely off the rails. Um, but you know what? We've come a long way since then. I have had wings. It's like with I Greg imagine. I imagine you and Greg in a dispute would be a lot like that one uh, video of those two guys from Canada that were just like giving each, each other, other the off. finger, like just right in their face. Like that's that's what I bet. Like you're you're, you're, Except, you're see, neither one of us ever ever gets to that level, right? Oh, so I do like, all the time. I, I'm not a I'm not a scream at somebody, flip them off kind of person. I think it's one of the things that infuriates other people who argue with me so much is that I'll never go there. Like I'll never go to the yeah, well, you know you're an effing loser. Like that's, this is not something we're going to like. I just, I just don't go there. I I don't need it. I don't need it to beat you. I have all the data on my side. So the other thing that that really helps is don't ever engage in an argument unless you've already known you won. 
Right. That helps. Don't even engage unless you know you can win. Bruce, Only listen, fights um, you can win. I saw a comment, uh, a name in the comment section, and I wanted to ask you something, and it's totally hypothetical and it's fantasy land, but I just want, I want sure. to throw something at you. Mm-hmm. If you, if the Bills were to trade, make just like a blockbuster trade, they go get Khalil Mack, and, you, and mm-hmm. it meant giving up Gregory Rousseau in the process, would you do it? No. You wouldn't? I would not. But let's say it let, let me twist this process. Let me twist this question one more time. You could find a way to get Chicago to retain some of that money so that the cap hit was a little bit reduced, at least for this year, and then maybe into next year as well, them retaining some money. And maybe that means you got to throw in a, another day two pick, a third round pick or something. Uh Russo in a third and probably more. I mean, you probably need more than that, right? Maybe it's Russo in a first. Um, which would be two first round picks essentially for for Klimak at this point in his career. If you if they retained money, you'd still be a no. It, they would have to retain a lot of money, and I probably still say no. Hmm. Um, Khalil Mack is in the midst of maybe his worst season overall. He still got still got six sacks, so he's still a player. There's no question, but. I, I don't know, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. I mean, that's a lot of years. Yeah. You know, um, is he 30? Is he 30? Oh, yeah. How old is Von Miller? Is he 34? 33, 32. Hold on. I'll find, I'll tell you, I'll tell you here in a second. But I I just, I, I can't. I also, I don't think that a regime that thinks they're going to get fired is going to trade Khalil Mack. One of the reasons why I predicted the Bears to trade up for a quarterback this year is because that's something desperate franchises do. They have to yes. they have to cling to some sort of hope. So for for me, I knew that the Bears were going to trade up. Now in my mock draft, I had them trading up for Mac Jones, and I had the Patriots trading up for Justin Fields ahead of time. But the the Bears traded up and got Justin Fields because that's something desperate franchises do. Here's something desperate yeah. franchises don't do: trade away Khalil Mack. Because there's two things you need to do to save your job. Win games and make it so they don't want to change generals midstream on a young and developing quarterback. Wow. Those are the two things you can do to save your job. And so I don't think Khalil Mack gets traded because of that. Von Miller is 32 and a half, by the way. Interesting. I did not, I would not have thought he was only two years older than than, uh, than Khalil Mack. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. And I understand that Groot hasn't been stellar. You know, it's not like Gregory Rousseau like has been. I amazing. like Rousseau though. Right. I, I like him. I, I just I, I wanted listen, I'm also I'm gonna hijack your all of your all of your uh plans for the show at the end here because we oh, have cool. to talked about the dolphins and I have to ask you a question. Okay. Yeah, well I'll tell you what, let me do an ad read first and then while, okay, while I'm do doing that. that, you can think about your do question. That. Because that. I like that Greg Tomset ended up coming to us on the Thrive Fantasy hotline. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this football season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports and esports app for player props. With Thrive, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Choose 10 out of the 20 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. Hit the most props and rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $4 million so far. Thrive's featured $100,000 guaranteed contest is $20 to enter, and first place takes home $20,000. Use promo code 
Buff Bills. That's B-U-F-F-B-I-L-L-S, B-U-F-F-B-I-L-L-S. When you sign up today and you'll receive 100% instant first deposit match up to $100. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. That's www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nate, you want to talk to me about the Miami Dolphins? I do. One guy. One guy I want to talk about. All right. Um, They're trading for Deshaun Watson, right? Like that that, that happens before Tuesday or maybe on Tuesday? No. No? I say no. I say no. Okay, so I find I found now that I that we should make a bet then because I think they are going to trade for him. Okay. Well, you're going to need something to offset the lobster because you're losing really badly on the lobster bet. I am buying you lobster. Um, there's no doubt about the lobster I'm going to be buying you, unless there's For, an injury. As a reminder, no, because we already said it has to, it has to be healthy. We already said that. We, we built that in the caveat. The bet was, for those of you in the comments who don't remember, the bet was Nate said Matt Breida would be inactive over the course of the season less times than Moss and Singletary combined. And I said, no, 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 no. Matt Breed will be inactive way more times than Moss and Singletary combined. Mind you, it had to be healthy. Had to be a healthy scratch. After week one, I was losing because Zach Moss was a healthy scratch and Matt Breed was not. Since then, nonstop Bruce. It's all coming up Bruce. So Nate needs to go on an absolute run if he's going to beat me. Otherwise, he's buying me lobster. So, and mind you, Mrs. Nolan's going to win it on this, just so you know. Yeah, now, I know. Mind I you, that. mind you, it's a very important. The bet was you had to buy me lobster, not Mrs. Yes. Nolan. So you can buy my lobster and I'll buy her lobster. Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Breaking news. We, we were just talking we, about we, this. We, we, we were just talking about this. Was he was he in our was, was he listening I, to he, us before we were alive? Earth Rocker says, who has the best fast food chicken sandwich? Okay, so we are defining fast food by has a drive-through, correct? Yeah, yes. That's how we're defining it. Yes. I have. I have a strange 
twist for you. Go to Raisin Cane's, get the sandwich combo with the strips on the sandwich with the cane sauce. One of my absolute favorite fast food chicken sandwiches. Hmm. Absolutely love it. Huge fan. Uh, Wendy's has historically had pretty decent chicken. Um, but for me, it's absolutely Raisin Cane's. Chick-fil-A, also good. Big Chick-fil-A guy when it comes to that. But I'm going to go with Raisin Cane's on this. Nate? I I could be happier that this has been brought up. Um, so I have... <laughs> I... You, just, you just really helped us out there, Earth Rocker. Thank you so much. I have a handwritten list somewhere. Hold oh, on. my goodness gracious. Nate has a binder. I... Nate, you've never been more attractive in your entire life. This is it. This is it. This is as handsome as you're ever going to be. You have a binder with definitive rankings of fast food chicken sandwiches. Nate, I, I, I can't tell you how glad I am that you're my co-host in this moment. Is there a ledger? Is it collated? Is it color-coded, Nate? I it's need to color. know if it's color-coded. But there are little stars like next to the... Yeah, That's what I'm talking about. Is it stars from um. one to five? Yeah, it's well, no, that's not 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 number of stars. Just you know, I I like made little asterisks as uh, as 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 bullet points instead of okay. just bullet points because I'm fancy like that. Um, so listen, Chick Fil A has a place in everybody's heart. It's just it's standard Middle America. Uh, everybody likes it. Uh, it's the same everywhere you go. You can go eat one in Hawaii. You could eat one in Maine, and it'll be the same sandwich no matter where you go. So I, I award Chick Fil A on their consistency. Um, I think the right answer here is Popeye's. But I think the low-key answer that no one's going to talk about is the new Burger King um, chicken sandwich is fantastic. I had it. I was. I, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it. It's I very wanted good. to. I almost felt cheated because I had mm. heard so many people speak so highly of it. I This is going to be shameful. I have not had the Popeye's chicken sandwich that everyone is raving about. Oh, buddy. I have okay, I think that's your task. Uh, I think for next week that you need to go try a Popeyes. You don't have to get, you do not have to get the spicy. Um, if you don't like spicy, it's definitely like borderline. Like, ooh, this has got this got a little kick to it, um, but it's good. Um, it's definitely by far the like it's the very opposite of what a Chick Fil A sandwich is. It's big, it's crispy, um, the bun very good. So please go do it. I, I think it's the best one. I think Popeyes is the right answer. Okay, Dawn in the comments says best show on YouTube. Dawn, this is an unbelievable compliment because yes, it is. let me just tell you, there are some awesome shows on YouTube. Now there's also some very strange sub genres on YouTube. So my wife watches YouTube videos of like homemakers who do videos with their grocery hauls and do like videos of them cleaning. And this is an entire subgenre of YouTube that I didn't know existed, but these people have tens of thousands of followers and they'll have a video with them going through their meal plan for their family for the week because it'll help give other people ideas for their family for the week. It's fascinating. And some of these people, like they get to know each other. They're always commenting. And it's like this strange YouTube. I don't quite get it, but YouTube has something for everybody. So it's extremely yeah. high praise. Thank you. Yes, it does. By the way, Earth Rocker, Zaxby's is sort of always in everyone's honorable mention. It's just, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Culver's apparently, I've never had Culver's, but Bruce told me Culver's earlier is very good. Culver's is solid. Yeah, absolutely. Culver's is solid. Okay. So. Now that we've gone completely, completely off the road, I think we're going to be a little late. I think we're going to be a little late tonight, Nate, if that's cool with you guys in the comments. Yeah, I mean, we are. We're going to be a little bit late because we got an email 
that was specifically for food for thought that we have to talk about. First off, comment section blowing up right now. I love you guys. I absolutely love you guys. Thank you so much for accepting this weird mashup of foodball on your Friday nights football. where you can talk about football and food in the same conversation and just keep going and we're all cool with it. So I really, really appreciate that. So Andy sent me an email. He said, I'm not sure if this is the proper avenue to float this, but I have a food question for y'all. When working with dishes like gumbo, chili, stew, bolognese, what is your ideal ratio of grains to sauce? For example, should the mm. ratio be even or should there be just enough sauce to lightly coat the grains? Do your grains need to be absolutely slathered in sauce? Since grains is a little ambiguous, there's a qualifier here. Does the answer to this question vary based on whether or not the grain you're working with rice in the case of gumbo or pasta in the case of bolognese? or based on the particular sauce used, i.e. a curry or a gumbo. Personally, I'm in favor of all the sauce all the time. It's at least two to yeah. one ratio of sauce to grains in my book. Looking forward right. to your take on this. So I'll let you go first, Nate, because it sounds like you already got in your head, and then I'll go. So the only acceptable time where you don't want two to one ratio is when it's homemade fresh noodles, um, like pasta noodles. Like if that's the case, then I think like one and a half to one makes sense. Um, Cause you do want to feel like you're tasting the, the, you know, the, the, like the fresh pasta, um, but two to one all day, uh, especially rice. I might even go three to one on rice. Okay. So I get that. So here is my logic. So earth rocker says he's going to try and come with a food question every week. Please do, please do. That's what we do here on food for thought. I am going to go with a, with a situational answer to this question. I agree. And the it's, answer, it's very situational. The, the answer is it needs to be enough that you do not have to add more the following day when you are reheating it to keep it from being dry. Mm. That is the answer. So for example, there are certain things where you'll make it and the first day it, it, it's the right consistency, but then the next day it's way too dry and you got to add more broth. You got to add more sauce. You got to do things. If that's the case, you didn't use enough. The first you didn't day. use enough. Yeah. Because inevitably the sauce you add the second day will never quite jive with the sauce that you reheated. So for me, the answer is whatever is necessary to be able to sustain the meal for the leftovers. Quick question. One quick uh, follow-up on this for yeah. you. When you're at home and you're making spaghetti, do you dump a little bit of sauce? So you, you drain the noodles, you put the noodles back in the pot to serve, right? Hmm. Do you throw a little sauce in there, stir it in so that like the, all of the, um, all of the pasta already has like a little bit of sauce on it. You put it in the plate and then put the sauce on top. Or are you like an olive oil guy? Cause I'm an olive oil guy. I don't like saucing the noodles before I plate them and then put more sauce on. Ideally the sauce would finish. The noodles would finish in the sauce. Okay. That's, that's, that's the ideal way for, for me personally. But a lot of times Noodles is completely separate from sauce, and we don't do either of them. We don't do the olive oil, and we don't put the what I would call the dabble of sauce in there. We don't do it. It's completely separate. But a okay. lot of times, the the pasta is finishing in the sauce itself, and we mm. feel like that that gives it the right right amount of absorption. The tone right. gives it the right yeah. tone. Yeah. Right. Cool. Mm. All right. What a digestive. So, last thing, winners and losers mm -hmm. from this Thank week God, in the my NFL. favorite segment every week. Re real fast. We're going to do it. We're going to get out of here. But winners and losers from the we, this week in the NFL, I'm going to go with losers Miami Dolphins. Always. And the fact that they haven't traded for Deshaun Watson does not matter. That team might end up trading for Deshaun Watson as a desperation move to their job. Because we already talked about that's what desperate teams do. And 
if you desperately trade for a player who has 22 sexual in misconduct allegations against them, and then he ends up going on the commission list because new information comes to light, then you're in big trouble and you just tanked it. What the Miami Dolphins have done to Tua Tungavaloa is basically criminal. I was all yeah, I the way out. I hate Tua, but handling of Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick last year. And I had some fans who were really upset with me when I flat out said, you are trying to serve two masters. You are trying to win games with Ryan Fitzpatrick right. and also develop Tua. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to do neither. And yep. they ended up losing and to the Buffalo Bills. Not. And I went back there and I retweeted all my old stuff. And I said, look, this is my dunking on the rest. Stare of at it. Stare at it. Because I was right. They ended up trying to have their geek and eat it too, and they got nothing. You get nothing. Good day, sir. <laughs> Good and then day, all of a sudden, you come into this year, and the idea was this was going to be a much more vertical offense. You brought in Will Fuller. You drafted Jalen yep. Waddle. Jalen Waddle is going to have a bajillion catches for seven yards at the end of this year. And it hasn't looked anything like that. Tua has been abysmal throwing down the field. Yep. But in addition... You, you changed your offensive play caller halfway through. You had co-offensive coordinators coming into this year. Brandon Beam figured out how he was failing Josh Allen after 2018. He openly said, if I could go back and do it differently, I would. I would get Derek Anderson in here earlier to help him out. Yep. I'd get him a little bit more help on the offensive line and weapons. Brandon Beam discovered how he was failing. I don't think the Miami Dolphins figured out how they were failing Tua Tagovailoa. Now, I wasn't saying he was going to be a rock star, but a lot of the comp for Tua coming out was if he hits his ceiling, he's Drew Brees. The absolute ceiling. Guess what happened with Drew Brees? The Chargers got failed traded. him. Yeah. They failed him. They traded him to New Orleans, and he got set up with a great offensive mind in Sean Payton, and he blew up. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Tua. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they failed him. So for me, regardless of whether they trade for Deshaun Watson or not, and I still don't think they're going to, at least not before the trade deadline on Tuesday, I the, the biggest loser for me is Miami Dolphins. Nate? Uh, well, I'll go biggest winner first. Uh, biggest winner is definitely Mark Davis, uh, owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, at the owners' meetings this week, uh, sat up with his terrible haircut and just – Put the league on blast. Oh yeah, I would love to see a report for this uh, this this whole Washington football Washington football team thing. Like I think we should see the reports. You know, like he is. It was a tough week for him the week prior. The whole John Gruden situation. So I love that. You know, he he felt like the league wronged them. They had the emails to start the season and they waited till mid season to drop it. And which I think is totally fair for Mark Davis to be pissed about. Um, so for him to kind of go out there on a new a new scandal that's 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 across the league that uh, that he can just say, yeah, I'd love to see a report. I'd love to see the league get uh, get thrown under a bus. So good for Mark Davis uh, for 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 getting a little bit of uh, a little bit of revenge there. And uh, the loser of the week, easy to go for the Dolphins. I'll go for their their current trade counterpart, the Houston Texans, who trade Mark Ingram this week for a seventh round pick. They're bad. So I guess who cares? But you just off the only player worth a damn in your entire organization, Brandon Cooks. Um and now you're looking like he's probably going to want out as well. So just a bad week for Houston, a bad year for Houston, a bad, you know, really a bad full calendar year. I mean, that 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 playoff game that they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs 
really started uh, two years ago. This would have been right two years ago. Or, mm. Yeah, that, that was two years ago. That yep. really was like the beginning of the end for them. Um, losing uh, in that playoff game, then which immediately has since the downfall of the Hopkins trade. And really from there, like everything had just really gone straight downhill. So yeah, uh, Houston just, they're, they're like perennial losers at this point. Biggest winner. I don't know if he was the biggest winner, but he was a winner this week. Gardner Minshew. Oh yeah. Is a winner this week. The trade of Joe Flacco greases the wheels for Gardner Minshew to back up Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts been a very good fantasy quarterback so far this year. Number two, number three fantasy quarterback in a lot of leagues. He's not been as great in real life because a lot of that stuff has happened in garbage time. And if Gardner Minshew wants to be somebody who can show that he can still be a guy and that Jacksonville was a train wreck, and that's the reason why... I think Nick Sirianni's offense is actually a pretty decent fit for him. And so I think it's going to be fun to watch mm-hmm. him. I think one of the things that Gardner Minshew has historically done really well is I really like his ball placement on balls behind the line of scrimmage, screen passes, swing passes. I think he gives his receivers good opportunities to be able to get yak. It's a scenario where a lot of Sirianni's offense, whether that's around Jalen Hurts or not, is short of the sticks. You know, yeah. it's it's about ball placement and Jalen Hurts is replacing that ball placement with his legs right now. And so I think that if Jalen Hurts continues to be a eh, quarterback and you really want to evaluate what you have in Gardner Minshew before you make a call on one of your multiple first round picks coming up this year, and then maybe he can be somebody you can flip in the offseason, which, you know, Howie Roseman loves to say, oh, a quarterback factory, right? He would love to start Gardner Minshew for five games and then flip him for a fourth. Yeah. He would love to do that. So for me, Gardner Minshew is a big winner this week. Nate, who's a big winner this week for you? Uh, I did my winner. I did my winner. It was Mark Davis. Oh, it was Mark Davis. I'm so sorry. Your loser. Who's your loser? Uh, my loser was Houston. What did you, oh you, just, you just ignore me for the entire segment? God damn. No, Chris. I didn't ignore you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Andy Anderson says Gardner Minshew is Ryan Fitzpatrick, long lost jorts wearing mulleted son. That's the greatest, greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, you probably Andy. screenshot that. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know what? Hold on. I'm just going to do that real fast. You should. You should. I'm just, I'm just going to get this right here. You know what? We're going to go ahead and get a picture of that. Cause that's awesome. So Andy, you're awesome. You guys are awesome. I was clearly writing notes and trying to find Gardner Minshew, I think is what I was doing while you were talking. Yeah, so sorry about there's that. There's no doubt about that. That's fine. But, I, I'll get over it. But we did it. An hour and 15 minutes. This was a lot of fun. This is great energy in this show. And mostly because of you in the comments. So thank you for showing up. Thank you for talking about. There's an entire thing going on in the comments right now on the YouTube yeah. comments about sauce and olive oil and the cr- proper way to cook it. And that's what we want. We yes, want exactly it to want. seamlessly move from food to football, back to food, back to football, as if it's completely normal because two of your favorite three things start with the letter F. For Nate Geary, I am Bruce Nolan. Thanks for stopping by, Bill's Mafia. And you know what? I hope you didn't leave hungry. 